it, you, ha- you have to ask yourself some really hard questions. Is everything I'm doing really necessary? Or am I habitually filling my schedule to the brim with busyness? Yeah. Having margin is a choice. A lack of margin is not a necessity. Good afternoon, Rachel. Hey, Ben. That's uh, that's the first time I've said good afternoon. Yeah, I know. Good afternoon, Ben. Good after what? Good afternoon. I didn't know afternoon had a D in it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I, I think it's because you're a little bit congested. I am, yeah. It's that time of year. Mm-hmm. We've had such crazy weather. It's been rainy. It's been cold. It's been unseasonably warm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like back and forth too. So you just get sick all the time. Yeah. Well, and that actually works really well with our topic today. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of experience with this these last few weeks. So our topic, and uh, I'm going to call it this, getting work done when you have a sick child or spouse. And this has been something, especially during this time of year, that that we become very familiar with. And I'm going to go ahead up front and give the disclaimer that we're not talking about chronic illness. Yeah. Um, we're, we're talking more about just things like colds or viruses by a uh, cold is a virus. Um, yeah. the, those, the, that, that bacterial kind of infections, right. whatever stomach bugs. Those are the worst. Yeah. I was going to say some are worse than others. There's like a hierarchy of <laughs> kid sickness. Yeah, yeah. Anything mm, anything that affects the bodily functions <laughs> of children under a certain age. It's yeah. uh it gets pretty bad. It gets pretty bad because yeah. they just don't they don't know the cues yet. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid and had stomach viruses, I did not make it to the bathroom until I was like in uh high school. Really? So I would just barf all over the place. How? My mom hated it. It's because I would always go into my mom's room and say, I feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> We've kind of trained our boys to like go to the bathroom first and then they yeah. come get us and then we come in with them. So. Yeah. I, I mean, if, cause we've, we've gotten really good at recognizing too, when it's about to happen, you do this kind of <laughs> cough thing. Okay. They, it's it's kind of like they give you these if you're really paying attention they give you these little warning signals mm-hmm. and it might be I mean it, it it could be just a split second between when you see that warning signal and when something happens but it might be just enough time to get them away from the carpet and to yeah into an easier least, surface yeah at least to a surface that's easier to clean up <laughs> oh man there was so. there was a time in our house where the stomach virus went on, we only had three kids at the time, but it went on for 40 days. I still refer to it as the plague. Yeah, that was awful. It, it was just kept, plague. It just kept cycling through. Yeah. I remember going out for the first time when we thought it was done. And as soon as we walked into the place, one of our kids threw up and mm-hmm. I just bust out crying. Like in the middle of the public, I started sobbing. <laughs> Yeah, I thought we were. And when you when you're sick, uh, I'm actually I'm going to go ahead and bring this in early. A question from Daniela. Now, I I, I do want to do an episode that focuses more on chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to answer this as if she's talking about because uh, I'm not sure either way. As if she's talking about more of the temporary type of sickness. Okay. She asked, does how to deal with being sick yourself come into this topic in terms of how to keep your productivity up on rougher days? And I i mean, I've got to say that my experience with being sick is most of the time, I just don't feel like doing anything. Yeah. And it's its crazy because during the times that I feel well, I kind of look back on my sick self and I think, why couldn't you just muscle through it? 
but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Your body is pouring all of this energy into trying to keep you alive. Yeah. And you just have nothing left for, for anything. Sometimes, sometimes it's not that bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a baby when it comes to that. But it can it can feel like, too, when you're sick, even if you're sick for just, you know, 24 hours, it can feel like, wow, this is going to last forever. Mm-hmm, it really does. And in I'm the just going to be sick for the rest of my life. And usually by the time we get it, um, we've already nursed at least half of our children mm-hmm. back to health. Um, it doesn't always go through everybody, but it usually goes through at least half of them and then one of us. So yeah, at least one of us. It's like heads or tails. Who's going to get it this time? (laughs) All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with a question and this was a little bit fun on Twitter. uh, If you follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson, that's where I post stuff that has to do with in the boat with Ben, Um, whether it's related to uh, balancing family and work life or uh, raising your children from the standpoint of values. So today I did something that I actually have never done before. I took advantage of their polling functionality. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so I I asked, which is more challenging and why? A sick at home spouse or sick at home kids? Hmm. So I'm I'm not going to tell you what the results are yet because I want to hear your answer. What do you think? Um I think it's probably the sick at home spouse because not only do I battle against feeling guilty because I'm not really taking care of you because they're now six on one, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's also because there are six on one. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's super challenging. So. Yeah. Well, according to this poll, 55% of those who participated in the poll agree with you. Nice. Hmm. 45% said it was the kids. kids. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to go ahead and say hands down the spouse being sick is the worst because. Well, that's because I'm so awesome. Well, and when I'm sick, (laughs) yeah, but, but you can, you can kind of take care of yourself. You know, when you're, when the, when the kids are sick, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they do need stuff from you, but they don't really, they don't really do much. You yeah, know, they, they kind of become lethargic and it's sometimes it's, they do. sometimes and it's, but it's a little bit nice and, and it doesn't, it, it requires more of you in some ways and less of you in other ways. Yeah. But at least you've got the spouse there. But when the spouse is sick, fortunately, most of the time you can take care of yourself, but you're out of commission mm-hmm. and what, used to fall on two people now falls on one person yeah. to try to keep up with things. And when you do have a sick kid, it, it's kind of like, well, there's one down. So it feel maybe it feels a little bit easier, you know, because of the logistic stuff. But because I know when our boys have stomach viruses, you know, the one who has the stomach virus doesn't want to eat. That's yeah. one less meal that I have to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. I know it sounds awful. But, but you know, for a spouse being sick, you're just, you're alone for all of those transitions. Yeah. Or else somebody is working when they're miserable. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad that you and I agree, but that doesn't make for a very interesting conversation, but I feel like they are similar enough in nature that we can pretty much cover both with these, uh, points that we're going to go over. Yeah. I I was just going to say too, I think in certain instances it can, the gap for me can be a little closer because sometimes when the kids are sick, they're extreme, at least for me, they're extremely demanding of my time Hmm. because they just want to be held by me. That's true. Which which is cute, you know, and I love it. But at the same time, then I have five others that I'm trying to, you know. Yeah. So see, it's, it's because you, you what did I say? You're too nice to them. You you that no snuggle them too. Like yeah. you're you're too affectionate. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right. So so here's th- this is this is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself is accept that your productivity will take a dip. Mm-hmm. 
And also don't, don't kid yourself and think, oh, my kids aren't going to get sick. We've talked about it before, how it's kind of bewildering. We feed our kids a very healthy diet. We are really strict about how much sleep they get. And yet it seems like, and, and certainly, you know, we have a one in six chance. Yeah. Somebody somebody bringing something home. Yeah. But it, it seems like we've, pretty regularly got somebody under well, the this weather. Well, this year, it, it's just been this year. I don't remember it happening in prior years, but I I know that I've felt, I mean, we even, we had one sick home this week because he was running a fever at school for like 20 seconds. Yeah. And then he came home and was perfectly fine, but he can't go back to school for 24 hours. Right. Yeah. And, and I totally get that. And, and I appreciate that that rule exists because, you know, if it was my kid and somebody else was there and was yeah. sick, I, you know, I would want for them to stay home. But, but yeah, it makes things more complicated. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. If you, if your thinking is, oh, I'm, I need to find a way to keep my productivity up where it is, you're going to just be frustrated. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, I I feel like it's enough of a gift that you can get anything done mm-hmm. when you have a sick spouse or kid at home. So accept that your productivity will take a dip. And here's a here's another, and this is these are kind of dealing with mindset, but we have these kind of strict rules about the activities that our kids are involved in and the the amount of screen time they're allowed to have and the kind of diet they eat. And we have to be willing to break some of those rules if we want to, if we need to keep our productivity up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And you want to be careful with that too. You don't want to go overboard. You know, you can, you can break the rules enough that it makes it even more difficult to recover on the other end. But, you know, we've, we've had both experiences where we tried to keep like somebody's somebody's sick and we tried to keep the productivity up. We tried to keep the house running the way that it normally does. We tried to keep all these rules intact and it just ends up becoming so tense and frustrating mm-hmm. and everything suffers anyway. Yep. And when you're, when you're holding on to your expectations for how much you're going to get done when your kid is home from school or when your kid is sick, I feel like what, ends up happening is you get frustrated, which pushes you into this whole mindset of I'm never going to get anything done. All my, my time is always wasted like this. There's always something that comes up. You know, you start thinking in these absolutes and that, right, that mindset can really make your productivity go down even more. Yeah. It, so you're not even, doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Even when things are good. So, and, and, and this kind of goes back to the one that we were talking about previously. I, I, I just feel like being on that side of the mindset saying, you know, mm-hmm. it's a gift that I, I'm able to get things done. Thinking about things more positively that way leads to more positive outcomes. Yeah. And so, so I mean, an example here is when our six year old is the one who stayed home most recently and he, he wanted to stay by my side the entire day and talk to me about all kinds of different things. I mean, I swear he probably told me 10,000 words of stories. And I was trying to read some research stuff because after I put twins down for the nap, I typically will start a little bit of like light work because I still have to have my attention focused. But it, it took me twice as long to get through that research as it would have if I didn't have somebody talking in my ear the whole time, you know? Yeah. And so if, if I were holding on to, I need to get through this many pages and I only got through half of that, I would have already started my work shift feeling frustrated and behind. Yeah. And those kinds of things can really hijack your productivity. That's right. So, so like I said, it's, it's good to make allowances and and not to go overboard. You know, you, you want to get on the other side of those and be able to recover and get back into a rhythm, which we'll talk about more mm-hmm. here in a little bit. Um, but that, that can really alleviate some of the stress. So those are, those are really just m- mindset-focused approaches to 
keeping your productivity up that have to do with getting rid of guilt and expectations and that kind of thing. So I want to get into some practical stuff too. Now, a lot of a lot of what we do for this kind of thing is more preparatory in nature. And I want to talk about something that you and I talked uh we've talked about a while back. I I'm not sure if it actually made it into the In the Boat with Ben podcast canon. It may have been one of the dark episodes. Oh, okay. We uh we have what's called the dark episodes. I think it's <laughs> 3 or 4 that we recorded before we actually launched the podcast. Yeah. That nobody's ever heard. Well, some people did live, but. That's right. So, uh, so what we talked about was this thing called, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to forget what, I, what we called it, but it was basically organizing your schedule in blocks of time. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Power blocks, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something cheesy like that. And. I haven't been keeping up this practice, but you have mm-hmm. pretty regularly. And and you also recently helped me organize my schedule into these blocks of time. And the thing that I really like about that is when you've when you've got these blocks of time organized and you've got your schedule set like that, there there are definitely some benefits to having the rigidity and knowing when things are gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But also you can take those blocks and you can move them around. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can shift them to other times if you need to. And it's kind of just like reorganizing. If you say, for example, you have a stack of blocks and you need to make room for something in a place where there are blocks, you just move those blocks out of the way to another space where they fit. Yeah. And now you've got that space available. And so that may be something that you need to do if you need to manage a sick child or manage the house when a spouse is sick is you may just need to have time where you you don't have to work and shift that somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But that's something that you, that's something that you have to plan for. Now there are those focused blocks of time where you're doing work that you really do need to focus on that. You can't have the distraction of taking care of the house or taking care of the kids, but there are other tasks uh, for most people. This is true. There are other tasks that don't really require as much of your focus. And we call these, uh, we call this light work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so where you have light work, you may be able to do that during a time when you're watching the kids or taking care of the house. And the same kind of thing is true. You may need to move that block where you're doing light work to a time when you know you're going to need to be responsible for taking care of the kids mm-hmm. and shift some other things around. But having that structure in place ahead of time gives you the freedom to make those shifts when it's necessary. Right. And so my definition of light work is stuff that doesn't require our full attention. So for me, something that requires full attention would be definitely writing or brainstorming or that kind of thing. But something that doesn't require all of my attention is, you know, my 15 minutes of social media time that I do for business or you know, watching a video that's teaching me about building a platform or something like that. Yeah. So. Now there was a question here from Corey Miller that I'm going to bring in. He said, both my wife and I work from home and I usually assume that if either my spouse or child is sick or both, my productivity level is going to plummet. Should I just plan on waking up earlier or going to bed later to work while they're sleeping? Or are there better methods for keeping my productivity at a good level? So that's, that's a difficult call to make. So when we're talking about shifting around these blocks of time, mm-hmm. you do have to take into account that if you shift a a block into a time when you're normally sleeping, well, that, sl- that lack of sleep is going to cost you yeah. something. And, and so you have to determine, if I do that, is the lack of focus I'm going to experience because I didn't get enough sleep going to sabotage my ability to focus when the kids aren't sick. You know, you've got to, you've got to weigh your choices there and make those determinations. Sometimes it's better not to work at all to get the sleep that you need to take care of yourself so that you can be as focused as you need to be when you can work. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of a case by case thing. And I would say that it's it's hard as entrepreneurs to permit ourselves to take a day off 
I know that that whenever kids are sick or when you're sick or even when I feel sick, it's really hard for me to sit back and say, it's okay to take a day off. You know, like the world is not going to fall apart. Yeah, I may have a little bit of extra work to do to catch up or I may not ever catch up. Yeah. But it's okay. And I think that that mindset helps. It's hard when we're in the position where we need that mindset because it's not often the first thing that comes to us. Well, and, and sometimes it really is this false belief that, Oh, if we, if we don't do this now, then we're going to be behind when really doing it now is going to sabotage the things that you will need to focus on later. And it's, and it's actually putting you further behind than, than it would if you had just taken that rest. And so it is, it is a mindset thing, but there's also some objectivity that comes into that. You know, think through that Think, I mean, maybe experiment with it, mm-hmm. go ahead and, and take some of your sleep time and try to catch up on some work and then see how it affects you the following day. I got to say last night I stayed up way too late mm-hmm. because I was working on something I wanted to, I wanted to get it done and, and I'm under a bit of a deadline with it. And I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll stay up and I'll work until this point. And I ended up losing quite a bit of sleep. Mm -hmm. And today I just haven't been as focused Mm -hmm. and I haven't gotten there. There are things that I had on my list to do today that I haven't even gotten to. Mm -hmm. And the house is, I mean, it's so many things are affected by that one decision. Well, and it was kind of a train wreck this morning too, because we've had such heavy rains, they canceled school. And so, and it wasn't until you actually got kids up to school that they were like, oh, we're canceling. Well, and it was a two hour delay first. This morning was a mess. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I got there to drop them off and they said it was a two hour delay. Mm -hmm. I had, I had also not had time to make their lunches before they, before we needed to leave. Mm -hmm. And so my plan was to drop them off, come back, make their lunches, drop their lunches off. So we ended up hanging out at the school and trying to figure out, well, do we take them back home or can they stay here? And finally decided to have them stay. I came back home and I made their lunches and I brought their lunches up to to drop them off. And as soon as I walk in the office, they say, oh, by the way, school is canceled today. <laughs> so It was like, are we on an episode of Punked? What's going on here? <laughs> well, and, and you never know when that kind of thing might come up. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing as having a sick day, except now you have everybody is home and you have to figure out what to do with them. Um, I did want to bring something in here too. people in the chat. There are a couple who are saying they struggle with negativity when their spouse is sick, but when their kids are sick, it's more nurturing. They they just feel nurturing and, you know, this caring sense. Like negativity toward the spouse. I think negativity toward the situation in general. And I, I feel the same way. I think the times that um, when, when you get sick, it's almost like I feel angry, not at you, but just at the situation because now I have a much harder job because there's not this other person here to help me. And, but when it's a kid who's sick, you know, the only thing you want to do is, is cuddle them and take care of them and make sure that they're okay. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's like this psychological phenomenon that happens when you're the one who's well and your spouse is the one who's sick. And it's almost like, well, I want to spend a day in bed, mm. but now I have to take <laughs> care of all these kids. Yeah. Because I'm so, I'm having so much yeah. fun. <laughs> but it's, it's almost like my brain can't wrap around the feeling of sickness so much as it can wrap around the feeling of you get a day off and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that sounds a little bit like it's directed to me. Well, no, no, I, I, I know what you're saying though, but so, so there's that aspect of it. Robert brought in some clarity and he said negativity in general, not resentful of the sick spouse, but feeling more hopeless about everything. Yeah. Less resilient to setbacks. Now, I tend to be more of a positive person, so I don't relate to that quite as much. Yeah. But I do have these experiences from time to time when it just seems like everything has suddenly become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And though I know 
I have so many experience where uh, experiences where we've recovered, we've gotten through it, and we get back on track. For for some reason, it's kind of the same way as being sick. When you're in the middle of it, it just feels like there's not mm-hmm. an end in sight, and that really wears on you. It does, and I, I think we've been feeling it the last couple of months because of, you know, people have been bringing home respiratory infections and all this kind of stuff that they pick up at school. And it's just, it's been like, we've cleaned so much snot. Mm. (laughs) You know, in those moments, because that can affect your productivity also when you're, when you feel that way, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like, well, what's the point, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so in those moments, my encouragement would be to reach out to community we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, more about that as well, just getting getting help, but, mm-hmm. but really reaching out to people, sharing your feelings. It's absolutely okay to, uh, and, and in a delicate way, but to when you talk to your spouse to say, I just, I feel so overwhelmed and, and I'm not saying that to say that you should be doing stuff. You know, it's just this situation. I feel, I feel so bad for you because you're sick and, and I hate that for you. And I know it's hard for you to, to be sick and to know that I'm, you know, like, like be empathetic, but also feel the freedom to express your feelings about it. Cause when you are able to express your feelings, you're able to start working through them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Spouses be okay with your significant others emotions. Let them express their feelings, not, not be ashamed or afraid to do so because they think that it's going to have some kind of implications. You know, like the husband who doesn't want to talk about how overwhelmed or worried they feel about something because they are afraid that that's going to set off their wife's worry and concern and and set them, you know, like not, you don't have to be, strong, like solid rocks for each other, but allow that exchange to happen. You need it. You you need it for and from each other. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a little rant on that. Yeah. There's a great quote from Brene Brown who says, I can't remember it exactly, but it's something along the lines of show me a man who can just sit with a woman in her despair and not try to fix it. And you'll find a man who's completely comfortable with who he is. And the same, same thing with a woman, show me a woman who can sit with a man in his despair and not feel fear about it. Yeah. And you'll see a woman who is comfortable with herself. What was the thing that she said about the man dying on his horse? Yeah. That, that women want men to just stay on a white horse so that I can't remember the exact quote, but we'll have to, we'll have she's, to find that. she's pretty profound. I would yeah. highly recommend any of her books. So I'm in the middle of her newest one and it's fantastic. Brene Brown, mm-hmm. a lot of great emotional stuff. Yes. And a topic that I, I think we're either planning on covering soon or, or would like to cover soon. The, the subtle differences between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's such good stuff in there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to jump back to, the light work concept, just getting back into something practical here. We've talked about how you can be preparatory in, in that you set aside these blocks and you've got this schedule. But when you have light work, when you actually separate out the stuff that you know you're going to have to focus on from the stuff that doesn't require as much focus, you separate those things out and you have that list. And yes, they have a reserved time. But you also have that list available for the, those unforeseen times when you're going to need to be with a sick child or taking care of the home. You have something that you can go to and say, okay, I can't, I can't accomplish what I really want to accomplish right now because I can't focus on it, but I can at least work down this list of things. And just having that ready to go is really helpful. Mm-hmm. So the, and, and here's just more, this, a lot of this just has to do with making preparations in our schedules, build margin into your schedule. That's a really tough one for me. It's tough for me too. I have zero margin for any unexpected this week. 
not only did we have a sick kid, but I also had three parent teacher conferences that I had to work in somehow to my work schedule. And, you know, it stole an hour and a half of my time. Yeah. But because I don't have any margin with work stuff. So I just had to give up a whole block of, you know, accomplishing something. <laughs> yeah. It, you, ha- you have to ask yourself some really hard questions. Is everything I'm doing really necessary? Or am I habitually filling my schedule to the brim with busyness? Yeah. Having, having margin is a choice. A lack of margin is not a necessity. And I'm saying that as, as an absolute statement because I, I know that there are people on the fringes who will say, oh, but I mean, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know how much responsibility I have and what if and what if. Stop asking what if and really take a hard look at your schedule. If margin is something that you want, and I would argue that it's something that you need, mm-hmm. but if margin is something that you want, there's probably, you, if, you, if you look, you will find something in your schedule you will find something in your workflow. You'll find something that you're doing that you can remove from your life to build that margin in. And it's for, for things like this, you know, having a sick child or a sick spouse or for any countless number of things, you know, like I said in the pre-show, kids are such a wild card. Mm-hmm. Without that margin, you end up losing work time. It, it affects what you're able to accomplish, the goals that you're able to work toward. Wouldn't you rather have a list of things that you know that you can accomplish because you have enough margin built in to account for the craziness? You're never going to account for all of it. Yeah. Um, Matt just asked, do you mean margin in your work or everywhere? Well, margin, margin, yes. So we are going to get to that, Matt. I'm talking about in your schedule as a whole. Okay. So when I'm, when I'm thinking about margin, if we're talking about those blocks of time, mm-hmm. if you're looking at your schedule kind of on, in that week view and you've got these blocks, you know, maybe they're colored blue for focused work and they're colored yellow for light work. And then you've got blocks that are green and those are the margins. And you don't schedule anything there. That's just extra time that is available in case something happens and you need to push something into those times. And so then I would, I would suggest having things that you could do in that, with that margin time, if it's not needed otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. You you definitely could, but you got to be careful not to place expectations on yourself. Right. To, cause you could easily fall into the trap of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty consistently having this margin time. I guess I can expect that I can accomplish, Mm -hmm. you know, so you got to be really careful about that. I'm really bad about that. Now I want to bring in a question that Robert had. He says, how do you recover momentum when the sickness gets passed around the house from child to spouse to you? The extended sick, sick period plus recovery makes it so that things sometimes need to come full stop for a week or two before we can get back on track. Mm-hmm. So we've definitely experienced that before. And one of the ways that you can make that easier is you can have rhythm in your life. And I would say right now our our rhythm as a family is kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. We, there, there are some things and, and, and really it's just little tweaks here and there, but there are some things that just have us a little bit out of rhythm. And so the, the more solid your rhythm is, the easier it's going to be for you to recover and to get back on track. And sometimes to work through that sickness without really missing a beat, I, I liken it to when we were performing a lot with our band. I think it was only maybe one or two times ever that we got so off track with one another that we actually had to stop a song and start over. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is pretty embarrassing. I mean, you're up there on stage, people are listening to you, and you can just feel how much discord there is between everything that's going on. It's like, and 
just out of service of the audience and, and everybody involved, you're, you're just like, okay, guys, I'm so sorry. We've got to stop this song. And we're, we're just going to start over because we've totally gotten off track. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that doesn't happen too much, but that's happened to us a few times. So you're saying that's what it feels like with the family? That's, that's what it can feel like. So if you've, if you've got a solid rhythm, sometimes you can get through those rough patches in the song, mm-hmm. in the quote-unquote song, and you know that you're off, but you can hear that solid, you can feel that solid rhythm, and, and, it's, and it's driving, and it's steady, and you know you can jump back on it if you need to. So, so rhythm really just looks like having a set schedule, having a time and a place for everything in your schedule and being punctual with that, being kind of strict where you need to be strict. And, and that doesn't mean that you never deviate from that, but it's, there's something that Austin Cleon says, or he's at least quoted that I really like. And he says, you can't break routine if you don't have a routine to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having, having that rhythm really helps, but there, there may be times when it will be better for you and for your family to totally stop the song, take the time that you need to recover before you jump back into it. Mm-hmm. Because, because sometimes trying to maintain things while there's so much discord, while there's so much chaos really sets you back even further. Yeah, it does. And I would say too that sometimes when things are getting passed around from kid to kid or spouse and you, it, it's okay to take a week and just breathe, you know, because you can get so stressed out because not only do you not want to see your loved one sick, but there's always so much stuff to do because if there's, if there's a virus in the house, you know, you have to clean and you have to do laundry. And if there's, you know, puke involved, then that's even worse. And Sometimes that can just make you so stressed out that you're not even worth a whole lot when you go to work. So sometimes when that happens, I just try to think, you know, this is like an unintended Sabbath and I'm going to take it for all it's worth. And even though I'm scrubbing floors right now, I, you know, I can, I can listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. Or I can, you know, there, there are other things that I, I can still do to not, not necessarily work, but just you know, better myself or something. Yeah. And so, so sometimes those things come and they're unexpected, but if, if we can learn to embrace them, I think we'll be just happier. <laughs> yeah. It, we, you know, we, it, it's just a humanity thing. We have this need, this desire to be in control. And when things get out of control, there's something in us that just really mm-hmm. fights against that. Yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a big fighter, but, when when they're so out of control that you really are just hurting yourself by trying to rein everything in and hold on to all of the moving parts, letting go is such a relief. Mm-hmm. It really is. All right. So I want to bring this uh, into, because uh, as Matt was asking earlier about building margin into work and and I'm thinking that he might mean things like projects and and that sort of thing but the way that I like to think about it and and I'm going to I'm going to bring in kind of two different approaches here so let's say you're a person who puts out regular content maybe you're doing a podcast or you've got a blog or you send out a newsletter that kind of thing so one of the things that you can do to help you plan for, and not really plan for because you never know when it's going to happen, but to be ready for times when somebody is sick is to have a buffer, have some episodes or have some articles in the queue that you can pull from. And, and it may be something that maybe these are articles that you've written before episodes that you've, well, I, I wouldn't say uh, podcast episodes. Yeah, you can't you shouldn't, redo it. <laughs> shouldn't put out the exact same right. show, but it could be something that something that makes it a little bit easier, or something that you've already recorded that you just have kind of waiting in the wings. And uh, we do this on the Sean West podcast. He stays a few episodes ahead. His 
t- his uh, daily TV show, which is insane. He does daily videos on YouTube mm-hmm. at SeanWiss.tv. And he actually has a buffer, I think, of 14 episodes. Wow. Which really, if you think about it, it's only two 14 weeks. 14 days, yeah. But that's a lot. You know, so if, if something happens, he's got that buffer that he can use and then rebuild. And yeah. it's, it's kind of the same thing we had done with savings before. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get back into that where we, we build a buffer of several months of, of yeah. savings so that if anything happens, we can always use that. But with the intention of building it back up, mm-hmm. having that buffer is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, go, go oh, ahead. Oh, I was just going to say something like that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning. So um, <laughs> those of us who are averse to planning, that can feel like a really tough thing to do. Yeah. But it's also sort of a freeing thing to do because we no longer have the pressure of working on a day when maybe a spouse is sick or several kids are sick. Yeah. I I just think about how nice it is to know that when I absolutely need to take a day off, Mm -hmm. there's still stuff coming out. Right. Uh Uh-huh. I have enough scheduled ahead that it's taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that might mean that I need to hustle extra hard the following week. But yeah. Um, when when it comes to things like projects where you have uh, clients that you're working for, maybe you're working on a website design or you're working on a logo, something of that nature, b- always build in extra time to account for the unforeseens. Mm-hmm. The unforeseens can come in so many shapes and sizes. And so, so somebody told me this and I, I always thought it was crazy until I had I actually had an experience with it where you take how long you think it's going to take you to finish that project Mm -hmm. and you double it. Mm -hmm. And that's what you tell the client. At least double it. (laughs) At least double, if not triple. If you're not good at estimating time anyway, I would suggest tripling. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. (laughs) And, and you want to be careful with that too, because if you're, if you're like me, you might have this tendency to fill it. I, I can, I can allow a project that I could get done in four weeks if I've, if I've got an eight week, if my deadline is eight weeks away, mm-hmm. I can drag that project out over eight weeks. Mm-hmm. That's no problem. So I have to be really intentional about protecting that extra time yeah. by, by being focused in the beginning. But it, it's, it's good to get in the, the habit of building that in. And building that expectation with your clients. Mm-hmm. And that might mean that you need to turn down a job if they need something rush mm-hmm. or charge a lot more. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. I think deadlines help with anything. And, you know, I, my background is as a journalist. And so every day I had a deadline. But I feel like it it not only makes you more productive, but it helps you focus more. Because you you know that you only have this certain amount of time. And it's hard when, when it's like a, what do they call it? A soft deadline because you know that the client is not expecting it at that time. And it's just this deadline you've made for yourself. But if, if you can get in, you know, if you can make your brain trick your brain almost to think that that deadline is the hard deadline, then you'll have, oh my gosh, it opens up so much more to not do things last minute. (laughs) I'm, I, uh, I don't like that though. I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I don't like the idea of the client's deadline is the hard deadline and my deadline is the soft deadline because that perpetuates this idea that... The client is in charge. No, that it's okay for me not... It's it's okay for me not to fulfill the commitments that I've made to myself. Mm, it's mm-hmm. It's saying that commitments that I've made to other people are more important than commitments I've made to myself. I I don't know that one is really more important than the other, but I definitely wouldn't say that the commitments you've made to yourself are less important than commitments you made to others. Yeah. And really when you fulfill a commitment that you've made to somebody else, you meet a deadline, it affects the way that you see commitments that you make to yourself. You're, 
you're more likely to see them through. And the same thing, and really it's even more powerful when you make a commitment to yourself and you see that through that highly influences how well committed you stay to others. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just, I, I want to, I want to get away from thinking of, well, that's just my deadline. So it's okay. Yeah. This, it, this is me personally yeah, because uh-huh. this is something that I struggle with. Yeah. When, when I worked for newspaper, when I had the hard deadline, which could be considered, you know, the deadline from the client, I always made myself a deadline that was several hours before. Yeah. Just in case, you know, because you're, you're kind of dependent on whether or not you can get a hold of people. And so it's, it's almost like the unforeseen stuff. Yeah. And, and that's, that can be difficult too. Yeah. There's also, if you have an unhealthy relationship with deadlines and there's a lot of fear and anxiety in, involved, you don't want to experience that with your person, with your yeah. own personal deadlines. There's a whole conversation to be yeah. had about that. <laughs> um, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you really do have to scale back on your work significantly because you've got to deal with stuff, you can't shift things around communicate honestly with the people that you're beholden to, whether that's your clients or your boss, whoever it is, let them know what's going on and, and do it sooner rather than later. You know, don't, don't wait until, until the last minute. Because you think you can recover. Right. And then you don't. While they may feel disappointed, while it may affect their bottom line, any number of those things, may be true, but you can't get away from life. Life is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And people generally understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are going to be people who don't, and you're going to have to deal with that. And that's frustrating and unfortunate. But I would say generally people are are understanding, especially when you're communicative and honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as entrepreneurs and people who work for ourselves or even people who work for bosses, we can put so much pressure on ourselves to get our jobs done in the time that we think it should take. And the thing that kids introduce into our lives is just a sense of unpredictability, I guess, because you just, you never know if somebody, if you're going to wake up one morning and somebody you know, their eyes are crusted shut or something and they can't go to. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, it happened to us recently. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it's like you said, it's just such a wild card. And if we can just take that pressure off of ourselves, I think that we would feel so much more freedom to move into the things that we were meant to do anyway. Because... I know for myself, I can, I can list a whole bunch of things that I want to get done in a day. And when somebody wakes up sick or they're, you know, super snuggly with me and I have to hold somebody while I'm trying to work on a computer, it just, it feels like it's just resistance the entire day. And I I get so frustrated and it feels like it just knocks me all off kilter. Mm -hmm. But if, I don't know if we can just lessen the pressure a little and not feel so obligated to, I guess it it, talking about, you know, communicating with the clients, if we can just feel liberated to just be people because we're people first, we're not workers first, we're people first. And so sometimes when these things happen in life, you know, it, it sets us back and that's human. It's human nature because we care about our families and we're always going to choose family over work. Yeah. Well, and, and so people would be understanding of, you know, like if there was a fire or a tornado mm-hmm. that ripped through your house or something like that, you know, sickness is, it falls under the category in my mind of active God. Like it's something that's completely outside of your control mm-hmm. and really for the whether it's for the client or for the job or whatever it is you can't you can't do your best work under those circumstances mm-hmm. and they don't they don't want shoddy work from you because you're trying to keep up with their expectations you know and and so i th- again i know there are these cases where people are unreasonable and and don't 
they don't care about what your circumstances are. They got perfect attendance in school and never take a day off. I know that that stuff is out there, but there, so there was this, this is kind of to answer Robert's questions, uh, question, what do you do if you're going to miss a crucial deadline because you had to care for a sick spouse? Does it diminish your credibility as a professional who delivers on commitments or does it help them to see that you're a human being? And I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. A, per, a person, a professional who is experiencing something that's outside of their control, that is honest and communicative, ha, it still maintains their credibility. Mm-hmm. And a professional is also going to look at that situation and say, okay, how could I have been more prepared for that? And, and maybe have some things in place to avoid missing the, that deadline in the future. But I, w- I would say that if you do those things, if you're honest and you're communicative and you just let them know what's going on, your credibility will remain intact. Yeah. The, so here's the final thing. This is, this is something that we all can work on, I think, which is reaching out to community. Asking friends and family for help. We, especially here in the States, we are very independent, very self-sufficient, and that's just kind of the culture. In, in other cultures, families, you know, generations live together under the same roof. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, we can't imagine what that's like. And there are definitely pockets of that here in the States, but, but we've, many of us need to get better about asking for help and, and, you know, the taking on the humility of saying, I can't, I can't handle this. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, such a backwards thing. You know, we, we want to look outwardly like we are in, in control of our lives. Like we've, we've accounted for all of the moving pieces. And I know for us, there's even this element of, well, we've chosen to have six kids. And so if suddenly we need help, then we open ourselves up to, well, if you, if you guys couldn't handle it, maybe you shouldn't have had so many kids, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's this fear we're, we're projecting our fears onto what, what we think other people think or feel about us. And we're putting this wall between us and being able to receive the, the gift of help from others who really want to give that. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's also a gift for them. People, people who get to help somebody who is going through a difficult circumstance, they, they receive value out of that interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to get over ourselves and just ask for help. Sometimes easier said than done for sure. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up this topic for today. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through all the questions, so I don't have any extra questions to bring in. So I think we're done. All right. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? Intheboatwithben.com. That's right. Go to intheboatwithben.com. You can check out our archive of podcast episodes. Not only do we have the audio, but we have amazing show notes. Just It's, it's better than a transcript. Mm-hmm. It's rewritten, reformatted for your reading pleasure. Wow. Oh yeah. Pleasure. Hmm. So you should definitely check that out while you're there. Sign up for the newsletter. This is something I'm really excited about. We, Rachel and I are working on a book that we're going to be giving away to our newsletter subscribers. Mm -hmm. You may be listening to this in the future. If you go there and sign up, you might get the books, the, the book in your inbox right away. And uh, we, we have kind of a working title for it, but it is Seven Ways to Boost Your Child's Self-Esteem. All right. That's everybody right. wants to do that. Yeah. Well, everybody wants, everybody wants their child to understand how much they're worth, be, be firm in their identity, and have all of the benefits that come with that throughout the, throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. So with this guide, we really wanted to lay a solid foundation, things that we can do 
uh, early on with our children to help them develop a really strong sense of self-worth. So sign up for our newsletter, and as soon as that is done, you will get it. All right. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, I'm really excited because this is something I haven't done in a while. But if you want to help out the show, you can go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes and leave us a positive review. We've actually gotten a handful recently, so I'm going to read one that I promised I would read from Garrett. All right. Garrett is a community member. And the title of his review is Not Just for Parents. Hmm. He says, not being a parent, this show really helps me because I know I'll be one and it helps me figure out what my values are and how I want to parent. The live stream coupled with the Sean West community. Wait, there's a live stream? Hmm. Yes, we, this, these episodes go out every Thursday but we actually record them and stream them live on Fridays to members of the Sean West community at seanwest.com slash community. You can listen to our show live and many other fantastic shows live if you're a part of the community. And that also supports all of the shows on this network and makes it possible because we don't do, we don't do sponsorships or ads or anything like that. We're just supported by the community. So you should check that out, seanwest.com slash community. I'm going to finish reading this. He says, the live stream coupled with the Sean West community is particularly important to me because I get to see the discussion of podcast topics with other parents who are in the community. I'm really glad I get to have these talks with people in there and see everyone's parenting styles. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Garrett. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yep. Thank you. See you next week. We actually joke, Robert, we actually joke that when the boys are teenagers, they'll have their own gallon and they'll write their name on it and that will be their gallon for the week. <laughs> they can drink out of, it, uh, out of it if they want. We don't care. That's not a joke. Yeah. That's actually going to happen. <laughs> I like that though because I feel like such a hypocrite telling them you can't yeah, drink, out, don't drink out, I, Yeah. I almost never, I mean, why would you get a glass? <laughs> <laughs> and then pour milk in it and then drink from the glass and dirty the glass when you've got a perfectly good gallon that you can just drink straight from. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff. Yeah. Our boys used to to say mm, cold milk as if it was a treat or something as if they didn't get it with like every meal when they were <laughs> littler. Now, now I know that milk is, it, it's kind of, uh, aren't people on the fence about like the health? Yeah, the healthiness of milk. Cows, they say you shouldn't drink cow milk, but it should be. And it it wasn't until that like there's something in recent human evolution where we were actually able to digest milk properly. Like there was a, there was a time when humans couldn't drink cow's milk. Like it mm -hmm. was it, it would mess it would mess your stuff up. Hmm. Anyways, I'm I I like milk. Yeah, I do too. It's I don't there's just something so delightful about Do you remember when we went on a tour with the band? Oh yeah, to Colorado. To Colorado mm -hmm. and we had they they had milk in these uh containers and and I guess it was refrigerated containers and it chilled the milk and 
you lifted up the handle and it would pour the milk out of the spout into your cup. Mm -hmm. But the milk was the, the consistency of it. And it was so, it was so cold. It was almost like it was just above freezing. Yeah. So just, just, just warm enough that it could still be a liquid, but like right above freezing. That was the best milk I've ever had. We called it glacier milk. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. I've never had milk like that again. And I don't think I ever will. <laughs>